0: Be to God. If you uh, are new or just uh, joining us for the first time in a while, we have been looking at the Gospel of Mark. And it's interesting to me as I think about these first couple of chapters that we have been studying together that if you are paying attention and you think about the fact that Mark is writing this book, this gospel, um, to this sort of nascent church that is forming and to kind of describe the contours of what it's like to be a part of this church. It is a horrible sales pitch because the good news that Mark talks about involves great cost. It involves putting your life on the line. And this aroma of death sort of hangs over every sentence that Mark writes. And it's amazing that anyone would read this, what is the earliest gospel, and want to pass it on, want to join it, want to join this church that Mark is talking about. Um, It's amazing because the cost seems so Impossibly high. Who would want to out themselves to be as a part of this movement? There's a great documentary about the Gemini and the Apollo space programs called When We Left Earth. And Frank Borman is one of the astronauts that was part of the first crew to circle the moon. Imagine that, leaving. The Earth's orbit in a tiny space module. It was only a few years previous that anyone had even gone up in a rocket. Now my dogs want to get in. All right. They're using 1960s technology to leave Cape Canaveral and fly in a spaceship around the moon and come back and land safely. There's there's more technology in your iPhone, multiples more, than the technology of the 1960s that they were using to send these human beings into space and to fly around the moon. The astronauts, many of them who were scientists themselves, made an educated guess that they talk about in this documentary, and they figured that there was a one-third chance that they were going to die. One third. They were rolling the dice that 33% of the time that this project would have taken place in this hypothetical world, that 33% of the time or 33% of the people were going to perish. And yet then, as now, NASA had no problem whatsoever finding people to sign up. In fact, the list of applicants was much longer than the list of spots. Frank Borman says in this documentary, there is no question that if it was a coffin, I would have gladly flown it. There's no question that if it was a coffin, I'd have flown it gladly. One of the biggest challenges um, in the pastoral life, something I think about a lot, is how to cultivate a sense of urgency, a sense of passion about the mission of God, how to emphasize the costly foundational reality of belonging to a particular body of Christ without making belonging to the church seem ominous or overbearing or a place for the spiritual elite. How can we... In other words, be a place that has open doors for all, where you can belong deeply even before you believe, and yet at the same time convey that the cost of belonging to God's church is impossibly steep. Is it even possible for us to begin to understand the radical life that these apostles were signing up for or to translate that into a modern, Western, affluent, First Amendment-protected culture. And if that was possible, if it was possible to make that clear, would anyone actually sign up? Would anyone actually join? In these first three chapters, Mark has been painting a picture of how dangerous it was even to tag along with Jesus. If you remember farther ahead in the narrative, just from being exposed to the gospel narratives in the past, this um, time where, where Peter denies Jesus three times, he denies even knowing him, even being friends with Jesus. But here we're talking about these 12 individuals who are called and appointed to be part of sort of this inner circle. And then there's an inner, inner circle these people were publicly identifying with Jesus. And in doing so, they were identifying with what the religious leaders and the Roman authorities deemed as an insurrectionist movement. These movements weren't afforded constitutional and police protection to voice their opinions and to troll those in authority. To say yes to Jesus meant possibly having your head lopped off it meant possibly being crucified or as in the case of peter traditionally we've read that he was crucified upside down this was a very costly thing they were doing and it meant publicly renunciating the values the purpose the leadership of the dominant society and everything that the rest of society took for granted Perhaps this is why baptism was so important and that Mark made such an issue of it in the first chapter, that in baptism you are being washed clean, not simply of your own personal sin, but washed clean of your allegiance to the old world, the old way, and joining a public community that's meant to embody a new way. Imagine the audacity, the daring to circulate an insurrectionist, rebellious document like this and to not only do that, but to list people's names. Many of these 12 would have probably passed on at the time that Mark was writing, but some could have been still alive. Can you imagine? Thanks, Mark, for making me even more public. Thanks for putting a target on my back and at least their families were still alive. This was such a dangerous thing to do. These are real people and Mark is publicly outing this movement to the brutal Roman military regime. Three of the 12 are given new names Peter, James, and John become the rock and sons of thunder, James and John being brothers. Like baptism, this renaming communicates the casting off of an old identity and being bound to a new one. Now, what would have seemed fairly obvious and non-controversial to everyone that was reading this uh, letter in the ancient days. But what might be problematic to us is that all of these 12 apostles, they have one thing in common, and that's that they're men. Well, this is ancient Palestine, obviously, where religious movements were led by men. And in broad strokes, Jesus is sort of conforming to this ancient custom, but for a reason. In some ways, having 12 men is a literary, a rhetorical conceit, because there were dozens, if not hundreds, of other followers and leaders around Jesus, both male and female. And the fact of this would have scandalized this patriarchal culture that He had women sitting in the position, if you remember the encounter with Mary and Martha, that famous episode uh, where Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus in the position of a pupil. This would have scandalized the patriarchal religious culture of the day. But nonetheless, he is appointing 12 men, not to make male leadership normative, but because they're were 12 tribes in Israel, roughly corresponding to the 12 sons of Jacob. What is Jesus doing here? Well, he's creating a new Mosaic community, a new Israel, and he's transferring the purposes of Israel onto this new community that he is forming. And the Pharisees who had begun to pursue him, just a few verses previous, would not have missed this symbolism. They would not have mistaken Jesus' selecting 12 disciples for anything but what it was. The subversion, the overthrow, not only of their personal status as leaders, that is the scribes and the Pharisees, but of the entire hierarchical, exclusionary society that they oversaw with great zealotry. They were threatened because, as Mark says, his following was growing. He refers to it as a large crowd or a great company. And there were so many, and they were so raucous and exuberant, it was kind of like Like Black Friday at a Walmart, as you see people just trying to press in through the closed doors where the people at front are being crushed and pressured, or trying to get a selfie with a famous celebrity where everyone is sort of gathering and clustered around this person. They just want to be in his presence. And his disciples were worried that Jesus might be crushed, so they secured a boat for him to make a quick getaway. I love these little narrative details that Mark shares with us. They're sparse, but when they're there, it's so interesting. I can just see them kind of holding the boat over on the side of the lake and just ready to make a quick getaway. Jesus was growing as someone who was famous, a minor celebrity, if you will, But these people were wanting to get close to him, not because he was famous, but because they wanted to be healed. And this is the context of the appointment of these 12 apostles. Mark is telling us that their calling is based upon the desire to multiply Jesus' ministry of healing, which as we should remember from previous weeks was about much more than just returning an individual to physical health, but the intent was to restore them culturally, socially, economically, and yes, spiritually. Because being possessed by a demon, being crippled, being sick, it wasn't just a threat to one's individual health, but like what we are dealing with with COVID-19, it undermined one's social and economic lives. When someone was sick, when they were crippled, they were out of work. And especially with males, they were um, not able to provide for themselves or their family, which was expected of them. And more than just creating distance for public health reasons, these afflictions were multiplied by an intentional religious exclusion. Now, who could stand opposed to releasing these people from desperate illness, from restoring them to full social, economic, cultural, full religious life? Who could stand opposed to that? Well, the demons, of course, they they didn't like it at all. They are like parasites who attach themselves to host bodies and feed off the unhealth of another organism. But while a demon's predatory nature is quite obvious, there were more respectable, more moral people that are sort of at this point loitering around the edges, mostly in the background of Mark's narrative. Last week we read about them sort of looking on. They were policing what was going on, but not yet entering into the conversation. And in these early chapters, we read about this religious, political pressure group, the Pharisees, that benefited from the unhealth in these communities. They benefited from keeping people beholden to them for access to healing. They had to come to the priest, they had to come to the temple. And they also were beholden to this religious class for access to God himself. Well, they're not happy when Jesus creates this alternative way of healing, this new pathway, this new access to God, especially when the new leaders are 12 uncredentialed misfits who didn't go to the approved schools and didn't subscribe to their approved doctrines. Well, Mark won't let us forget the clash that is coming, that is imminent, the clash of forces between the status quo and the those who are protecting the status status quo and the way that Religion works presently and the doctrine that is approved and this new thing that is happening and the danger that happens in the midst of those two things colliding for those that sign up to be a part of it. He won't let us forget the potential of violent opposition that to threaten the status quo is to invite the opposition from powerful people. And thus the aroma of death is hanging over even what would otherwise be a joyous event, the appointing of leaders to carry on this ministry of healing. He lists 12 people, but in the second allusion to Jesus's coming death, in only a few verses, he mentions here Judas by name. The one who will betray Jesus unto death. The costly nature of Jesus' kingdom was too much, even for one of Jesus' own disciples. Judas sold out the movement for 30 pieces of silver. Now, maybe he's just a terrible, no good, evil person, or... Maybe he's the first one of the 12 that truly understands what signing up for Jesus' revolutionary movement is all about and what it would ultimately cost him, that it would ultimately cost him everything anyway. So he might as well put a little coin in his pocket. He's a pragmatist. Well, there's a lot of geographical data in this passage, lots of place names, which are never inessential information in the Gospels. We read of Galilee and Judea and Idumea and Tyre and Sidon, but Mark tells us that this commissioning took place in a very specific place or a very specific setting, and that's in the mountains. Jesus wasn't up there with his disciples to enjoy some hiking or some skiing or to sort of take in the view of Palestine. The mountains surrounding the Sea of Galilee, this was the place where people went to get out from under the the prying eyes of the religious and the military authorities and to plan insurrection. That's what these mountains were known for, insurrectionists, rebellions came down into Galilee into Palestine from the mountains now maybe Peter and James and John and the others still thought that they could join a rebellion like this and still be safe they were next to Jesus after all and they always resisted him when he talked about his death but the Pharisees understood what was happening and perhaps Judas did too. And he wanted out. I guess the question for us as we conclude is, do we understand what is going on? Do we really grasp the cost of joining this insurrectionist, rebellious, countercultural movement? Do we understand that what Jesus was starting was so much more than a spiritual renewal movement, more than just outlining a, a pathway to heaven. But what Jesus was kickstarting and appointing these 12 people and everyone around them to, to lead was a restoration of all things, social, economic, political, spiritual, And that the status quo in all of those realms was being called into question. And these 12 leaders, being appointed as they were on the heels of numerous healings in the last few chapters, tells us that they were commissioned to multiply Jesus' work of healing and the restoration of all things of liberating people from systems of exploitation and exclusion. And that these healings, while while vital to the individual, point to something far larger, something tied up in the symbolism of the 12, that it's a radical escalation of the scope and the stakes And therefore the cost of what Jesus intends. And that is that he is relaunching the purposes that God originally installed in the nation of Israel. The nation that was meant to be a physical embodiment of God's purposes for the entire world. Israel was meant to be the national embodiment of his his shalom, his lasting peace, which would represent and bring forth a restoration of everything, of everything that was cursed and broken. That's why Jesus is appointing 12, 12 men here that are taking the place of the 12 tribes of Israel. He's recapitulating God's purposes for the world. And these 12 people As representative of this gathering, this growing crowd of people that are surrounding Jesus, that are pressing in for healing. And he he is saying, but make sure you understand what is at stake. Yes, I want to heal you. Yes, your healing is important. Yes, I want the best for you. But do you understand that if you sign up for this, if you join with me, you are putting a target on your back, but it is a costly target with a purpose because the stakes are global, multi-dimensional, intersectional. They are impossibly expensive to those who sign up, but they're also incredibly exciting, incredibly compelling and i guess the question that i will leave you with is how big is your christianity is it really worth getting out of bed for in the morning <clears throat> does it animate what you do does it does it if not dictate at least direct your decision making is it costly but maybe to put that in more of an invitational way, is it exciting? Is it something that is compelling? Is it worth giving your time and energy to? The encouragement to take up that cross, to endure that cost, is that you are something that was costly that you as we read the unfolding of the gospel the whole story of the redemption that God is at work in that you were equal in value to the life of the son of god himself you that jesus put a target on his back for you that jesus outed himself himself to those with the power to take his life knowingly, that he bravely went to the cross because you were infinitely valuable to him. He gives up his life to rescue and restore you in the hopes that you will sign up to do that very same thing for others. It may not lead to your execution. In fact, I can pretty much guarantee that it won't, but I can also guarantee that signing up to do what Jesus did for you for others, it will be costly. It will be exhausting, but it'll also be exhilarating. Let's pray that all of us at InTown would understand and sign up for that great calling. Let's pray. Father God, we pray that you would be with us, that you would um, call us to respond to this passage, this costly life with great enthusiasm. Not because if we don't that you will be disappointed in us, but because if we don't, we will miss understanding the great lengths to which you went to join us to this movement, to grant our healing. Lord, help us to contemplate the cross. Help us to understand what it cost you to send your son to rescue us. And we pray that that would compel us to lead lives of great sacrifice. And we pray in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Stormy wind that glows There is you a-